we're, we're talking about our values, right? It's called Blueprint, where we're talking about what we as Creekside Church value, what is important to us. You know, you might be asking yourself, why in the world do I need to know what you as a church value? And that's a great question. That's a really good question. So we want to answer that with, this series is to teach you about our values so that you know what it is that we stand for. So you know why we make decisions, what it is that we do, and why we do the things that we do. Because whenever an idea comes, you ever have like an idea, and you're like, I think we should do this, or should we not, should we do this? Sometimes you need things that you can have to filter those ideas out with, right? And so whenever we have ideas about what it is that we want to do, whenever we have things that we want to see happen in this community, we run it through these five different values. And on the first week of this series, we talked about how we value the kingdom of God. We value the kingdom more than we value Creekside Church. Now, what is happening all across this city and all the churches is far more important than what's happening in our little C church. That we value the kingdom of God, but not only do we value the kingdom, we also value the harvest. We value loving people that are far from God. Like your lost friends, your neighbors. Think of like one of the worst, like most unchristian people that you can think of. Well, they matter to God. And they also matter to us here at Creekside Church. And last week, we spent a lot of time talking about simplicity. How can we live simple lives? Now, I hope that because of that sermon last week, that some of you were able to find time to Sabbath this week, right? You all did it, right? I'm sure. I'm sure you, you, you started saying no last week because of that sermon, right? Well, it's a work in progress. It's a working progress. And Next week, we're going to talk about multiplication, how we value multiplication uh, if and if we have service, uh, depending on what happens with this hurricane, just uh, we'll, we'll keep you alerted. I promise, just stay up to date on Facebook. We may or may not have service next week. We'll see, just uh, we'll let you know. How about that? We'll see what happens. We'll let you know. But today, we're going to talk a little bit about this word, transformation. You're just saying here this morning, about how God is making beautiful things. God, you, you make beautiful things. We all sang that together. This word transformation. Transformation is one of our values here at Creekside Church. And what that means is that we want to see your life look differently because of this church. We want your life to look differently. You know what I mean? Like we want to see a change there. That's what that word transformation means. There's, there's an alteration process. There's a, if you will, there's a metamorphosis happening here. There is a complete overhaul, a complete change. And that's what that word transformation means. And what we want to see happen is we want to see your life changed and transformed by the good news of Jesus. That's what we want to see. Now, I know that this morning, now, what you're probably going to be thinking, okay, what you're probably, your mind is immediately already gone to, is, is out there. Like, God wants to change them out there. God wants to do something. He wants to take lost people and, and make them into, into better people, into better Christians, all, all this. No. Whenever we talk transformation this morning, what we want to see is we want to see transformation in you personally. And so this morning, everything that we say, what I want you to hear is I want you to hear transformation through the lens of your own self, of your own heart, of, your, of, of all that's going on in your life. Am I being transformed? Am I being changed? That's what we want you to think about 
this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I hear that word transformed or transformation, my mind immediately goes to one thing, and it's not those cheesy movies. It's not those cheesy Shalabaf, Mark Wahlberg movies. Like, I, I hate Transformers. Just I, I, They were the worst movies ever. But whenever I think about this word transformation, my mind immediately goes to caterpillars, right? Like caterpillars into butterflies. Now, disclaimer here, I don't spend much of my time thinking about caterpillars and butterflies. That's just, I love football, I love wrestling, I love action movies. I don't spend much time at all thinking about caterpillars and butterflies. I, have, I, I don't sit and look at them. I don't talk about them. I've never had a butterfly tattooed on my ankle. Like, I, I promise you, I, I don't spend much time thinking about caterpillars and butterflies. But whenever we talk about this word transformation, that is the first thing that comes to mind. Now, I, I, I'm not a scientist by any means, but a, a caterpillar is this little, it looks like a centipede. It just kind of moves along, kind of really good for nothing, really, and they're just small, like they're irrelevant completely to your life. And then we know that some weird thing happens where they get into this cocoon, and I don't have the scientific terminology, but then all of a sudden we just see this butterfly appear, and it's flapping its wings, and it's moving around, like, oh, that's cute, it's a butterfly. I don't do that, my wife does that. But we know that there's some transformation happening there. There's this alteration process That's happening, and we believe that God wants to do that with us. That God wants to take us, not necessarily from individuals who who crawl to then fly, but God wants to take us from here to there. God wants to take us from where we used to be apart from Christ to where we are now as living creatures who are looking more like Jesus Christ every day. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Romans. That's where we'll be camping out today. Romans chapter 12. Because what we're going to see and what I hope you see and what I hope you believe this morning is that transformation is vital. It is necessary. It has to happen for the Christian. Right? That if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to say there should be, there could be, but there has to be a change in your life. If you're going to say, I follow Jesus, I've given my life to him, then there has to be a change in your life. And so it begs the question, what does transformation look like? Transformation might look a little bit differently for you than it looks for me. Now, whenever I hear this, immediately what I'm thinking is, What if I claim to be a follower of Jesus, but I don't see any change in my life? What if I claim to be a follower of Christ, yet I still struggle with the same things that I've always struggled with? What do I do with that? So let's look at it right here in Romans chapter 12. If you got it, say, I got it. And just a reminder to you, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see it right over here at our Connect table. That's free of charge to you. Romans 12, starting in verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You're going to see this word in just a second. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed through metamorphosis, adaptation, by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern 
what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Back up to verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Well, if you've been in church at all, you generally know that that therefore, you have to always look back and ask yourself, why is the therefore? Therefore, thank you. Some of you have grown up in Sunday school. Why is the Sunday, why, why is the therefore, therefore? And here, Paul is talking here, he's talking to the church at Rome. He's talking to the brothers and sisters. He's talking to people who he has said have understood the mystery of Christ. Not this, not this mystery that, you know, it's you know, kind of like the Riddler or anything like there's some riddle that we have to figure out, but there's this mystery that for thousands of years we didn't know who the Messiah was, who the anointed one was. And he says, now this mystery has been revealed to you and it is Jesus Christ and you have been saved by the mercy and grace of God. He's saying this, now because of that, because you have been saved, brothers and sisters, you have to be transformed. And he says, so I implore you to present your bodies as living sacrifices because you have been saved, right? Because you have been saved. I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice. Now, the first thing that you need to know about transformation is that God wants to change who you are. God wants to change who you are. Notice I didn't say that God wants to change what you do. I said that God wants to change who you are on the inside. He wants to change you, make you new, give you new life. My mind immediately goes here to John chapter 3 where Jesus is having this conversation and we get the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John 3, 16. But in that conversation, he's having this, this talk with this man named Nicodemus. And he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be made new. And so transformation is where God wants to change who you are. And he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice? Something there should sound a little off to you, right? A living, those are almost like an, an oxymoron, right? Where two words are completely different. I don't know about you, but whenever I think about a sacrifice, generally what happens is a sacrifice has to die, right? Like if you're going to sacrifice something, something is, is being missing. Something is, one thing is, is kind of stopping, one thing is dying essentially so that the other thing might happen. So how in the world can I be a living sacrifice if I'm not dying? How can something not die in this process? And that is twofold. One, we believe that Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice for us. And He died, and we are now living the life that Christ should have lived as He died the death that we should have died. This is the, the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus Christ died as a sacrifice for our sins. But that's not the only sacrifice that it's talking about here. As it says this living sacrifice. You see... As we live towards Christ, as Christ is changing who we are, oh, there's something dying. There's something dying, and it's the old you. It's the old self. Now, again, I, I don't study caterpillars much, but I do know this, that whenever a caterpillar is becoming a butterfly, like, it's a messy process. 
Like, go look that up on YouTube later on today. Like, it's not this beautiful thing in the, in the midst of it. It is a messy, nasty process where the caterpillar is actually dying, where its antennas are falling off. Like, its legs that it used to use crawling around to get to places, those legs literally fall off the caterpillar, and they're dying off. This this transformation happens as the butterfly is, or as the caterpillar is shedding its old skin. Like its, its skin is literally dying off of its body. It is a complete change of DNA. It is a complete change uh, from death into life. A caterpillar has to die in order for there to be a butterfly. And so it is in our lives that we are this living sacrifice, yes, but we're not living as a sacrifice uh, of who we used to be. There's something, at, there's something dying in this process, and the thing that's dying is the sinfulness. It's the flesh in us, you know, that where it rears its ugly head, where we want to just snap at somebody, or where we want to dive into some sin head on. Those things in us are dying. And as those things are dying, something else is living in the process. And that's why he says here that present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. He then goes on to say, he says, do not be conformed to this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We see this a little bit Earlier, where Paul's talking about this in Romans chapter 8, he says these exact words in, in Romans 8, 6, 11. He says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. To set your mind on the things of the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. One thing dying, one thing coming to life. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. The old you, like I, don't, I don't care how spiritual you might think you were. I don't care how much you went to church. I don't care what you knew about the Bible. The old you before you came to Christ is hostile towards your Father God. The old you is hostile towards the name of Jesus Christ. And although sometimes you might confess it and say, yeah, I, I love Jesus. I love going to church. No, 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 no. It's hostile towards you. C.S. Lewis says it a little bit this way, that we're not clean people who just need to be made better or dirty people who just need to be better. No, 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 we're rebels who have to lay down our arms. In the flesh, you and I, we are hostile towards God. But listen to this. He says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Meaning, Basically that you can't submit, you can't clean up yourself, you can't do it based on your works and your own strengths. He says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, again, talking to the church at Rome, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. There's a sobering words right there. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is at life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead 
will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Like, isn't that a beautiful picture of death moving forth into life? The flesh, the life that we used to live, the life before Christ, it is dead and it cannot please God because there's no power in it. We're completely alienated from Christ. And he says, now, if you believe in Christ and the message of the gospel through faith, then here's what happens. He says that I'm going to give my spirit to you. And as the spirit lives in you, then he's transforming you. And he's changing you. And he's giving you life. And he's making you different. And it's a beautiful picture of moving from death into life. Who knew this better than Paul himself? Who knew this better than the author of this book? You see, Paul was this guy who thought that he was religious. As a matter of fact, he was religious. He was one of those hostile religious people. And as he was a, a member of this Jewish council, he, he loved the Old Testament. He loved the law. He loved living this holy life and being this super religious person. So much so that whenever people started diverting from Judaism and believing in Jesus, that he, he, he thought it was pleasing to God to kill these so-called Christians. And he would put Christians to death. And he, ple- he was pleased by people as they would kill Christians. And he said, do it. This pleases God. And it says in Acts 22, as he's giving his testimony of what happened, he says that I was, I was far from God. I thought that I was pleasing him. I thought that I was doing the right thing. But then I found Jesus on this road to Damascus and my eyes were open and I, I, I saw him for the very first time. And whenever I saw Jesus for the very first time, he gave me true life. We see that in Acts 22. If you have your Bibles, flip there for just a second. Acts 22, we're flipping all over the place today. Acts 22, this is Paul's testimony. As he's talking about it, he's giving account to a to a church here, and he's saying, this is what happens, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by the Jews, who lived there, he came to me, and standing by me, he said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the very hour, I received my sight, and I saw him, and he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. You see, Paul was far from God. Like about as far from God as you can possibly get. Like out there. And he says that as he's on this road to Damascus, he was blind by this bright light. He heard the voice of Jesus whenever he came to. He heard this man speaking to him. He says, Paul, now you know the will of God. Paul, now you can see clearly. Now you will be a messenger for God. Who knew about the transformation process better than Paul? Who knew more about being taken from death into life than the Apostle Paul? And then as he goes on a little bit there in verse 15, he says, For you will now be a witness to everyone of what you have seen and what you have heard. Notice, everything that we just said, Romans 12, 1 and 2, everything that we talked about, he's not saying do anything. He's not saying go anywhere. It's all about who you are. And so God wants to change who you are, but not only does he want to change who you are, he also wants to change who, what you do. God also wants to change what you do. No, no, no. 
caterpillars before it, be, before it becomes a butterfly. Like it has to actually change into a butterfly. And then once it becomes a butterfly, then it can start to fly. But we've never ever seen a caterpillar start to fly, right? We've never seen a caterpillar start to fly. So why in the world, in our dead spiritual bodies, apart from Christ, will we try to become more religious? Why in our, in our dead state will we try to do the things that a Christian does? No caterpillar can float like a butterfly, but it can sting like a bee. Picking up in, see, that's, I worked hard on that, y'all. I worked really hard on that, so I, I appreciate the laughs. Let's look in verse 3. Verse 3, for by the grace you have, for by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have become many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Why in the world are we talking about this? Why in the world did he divert so quickly into talking about the body with many parts? You see what happens is this is exactly what the church is. The church is a, is, is a group, it's a body made up of him who's been transformed, her who's been transformed, she's been transformed, he's been transformed. We're all growing up into this body. It's a beautiful thing. You see, all of us are pressing into this at the same time. And Paul's saying here that all of you have been given different gifts for the body for us to look more transformed for us to look more like Christ. You have a role to play here, and what he's saying here is that all of us are being transformed and slowly but surely moving into a picture of what it looks like to be more like Christ. And some of us are on different levels than others. Some of us have been doing this longer than others. Some of us did it whenever we were five years old. Some of us did it whenever we were 46 years old. But all of us, make no mistake about it, we better be moving in this direction as a church, growing more into transformation. Let's keep going. Marks of, a, marks of the true Christian, he says, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. What he's basically saying is, have, if you're going to have passion, have real passion for the Lord. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I love the juxtaposition here. Saying this is what you used to do apart from Christ. As you're being transformed, as you're looking more like Christ, this is what you now do. I love how they're both juxtaposed there. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them because we used to curse them, right? He says, bless them now. Rejoice with those who weep. Weep with those. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. 
You see, apart from Christ, we used to be prideful, looking down on others. He says, no, 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 you're being transformed now. We don't do that anymore. He says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We used to love chaos. We used to love confusion. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This is basic Christianity, right? This is basic Christianity. You used to hate your enemies. Now as you're being transformed, no, 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 you love your enemies. And not only do you love your enemies, you serve your enemies. Ooh. Ooh. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Have you ever said, yeah, I'll, I'll feed him all right. I'll feed him with this knuckle sandwich. Do people even say that anymore, knuckle sandwich? I haven't heard it since I was like six. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. He says, now that as you are a Christian, he says, listen to these, listen to these words. He says, uh, you're loving. You're hating evil. You see, some of us, even in the transformation process, we've got it backwards. We love what is evil and we kind of hate the things that we're supposed to love. He says that you're honorable. At work, are you showing honor, like to the Lord and to your fellow co-workers? Are you, are you above board? Like, could you, could you be considered somebody who is, is honorable like that? I don't even really know what the word means, honorable, but that's an honorable man. Do people say that about you? At work, full of zeal, full of this passion for God, are you passionate for the things of God? Is that something that just kind of rolls off your tongue? Like, you know those people? He goes on and says that we're rejoicing. That we rejoice with those who weep, or that we rejoice with those who rejoice, that we weep with those who weep, that we're people who love the body of Christ, that, we, uh, that we're all things to all people, that we're rejoicing with those who are rejoicing, that we're weeping with those who are weeping, being pastors wherever we are, that we are hospitable. When's the last time you had somebody over for dinner? Without even the possibility of being paid back. When's the last time that you brought somebody over for coffee? We don't even do that anymore. But to be transformed means that you put on this, this body, that you put on this nature, that you want to start doing these things. You see, before Christ, I was a hermit. Like, I just wanted to live by myself in my PJs and just watch TV. But as a, as a person who is hospitable because of my relationship with Christ, I want people over all the time. You see, I see my house as this place where we were blessed with it. Now we want to bless others with it. I got one living with me right now. He's messy. But also lowliness and humility, that we're lowly people. We're people that are humil and we have humility, that we're humble. We don't see ourselves better than we ought to. We don't lift ourselves up on this pedestal. Well, I deserve that, and they gave it to her. I deserve that, and they gave it to him. You see, somebody who is following Christ being transformed means that we're not perfect, but slowly but surely, we're becoming more and more humble as the day approaches. You see, we value this, this transformation here. We, we value this here at Creekside Church. And now, we, we've talked about this every week, that as you value something, you're also sacrificing something, right? That if you value something, you also have to be sacrificing for something. Here at Creekside, we talked about the kingdom, that, that we value sometimes credit. Like credit is, is not about us, it's about His kingdom. 
And if God chooses to bless some other church down the street, then guess what? That's great. We champion that. Journey, Journey Church this morning, starting three services. Bless that. Bless the Lord. Like We champion what God is doing. We don't always have to get it, the credit here at Creekside Church. We also value the harvest. So what, what does that mean? If you value the harvest, then you're sacrificing a lot of time. You're sacrificing a lot of your conversation. You're sacrificing a lot of your, where your mind is. Our mind is constantly on what God is doing out there and not in here. Simplicity, what are we sacrificing? We're sacrificing the, being the busiest church of all time. We say no to a lot of things in order to say yes to the best things. We sacrifice for simplicity. Transformation, well, what are you sacrificing? This is what we sacrifice. We sacrifice being liked. We sacrifice being liked. Because if you sin and if you fall, you're going to be held accountable. And I don't mean just by me, but hopefully by your brothers and sisters that are in this room. We sacrifice likability because it's not just about the worship service and what happens here. We really want you to look differently Monday through Friday. We sacrifice likability because we will actually sit down with you in Starbucks or we'll sit down with you in your living room and say, hey, you know, I see this and I believe that you're called to a higher standard. We will sacrifice likability because we will preach the Word of God. We preach this and we don't, if you like us, that's great. But that's not what we strive for. We don't strive for you just to like us. We have to preach the Word of God because it's the Word of God that brings about transformation. And so with the things that we do here, Sunday morning service, this, this gathering, it's just like we said here for the, for the body. If, if it, your gifts are service, you have gifts that are, are, are differ according to the grace. And, and, and some of us have gifts in this and some of us have gifts in this. That's why we're here this morning. So you bring something to the table for this body to be more like Jesus. Did you know that? You specifically, individually, you bring something to this table, to the body of Christ, to Creekside, for us to be more transformed, for us to be more like Christ in missional communities. We do missional communities so that we can look more like Jesus. Not because it's this cool little buzzword or not because it's this cool thing that churches are doing these days, but because we want to see you in community with others and then sent back out on mission. Same for huddles. That's why we do what we do is because we want you to look more like Jesus. Now everything that I've said this morning, that God wants to change who you are and that God wants to change what you do, please don't miss me. If you're here this morning and you're apart from Christ and you've never given your life to Jesus, you can pretty much forget everything that I said. Because transformation doesn't start with just becoming better and becoming a good person. Transformation starts by believing in Christ. Transformation starts with you saying, I follow Jesus and I believe that it's not my works that can get me into heaven, but I believe in the work of Jesus Christ. And as he was on the cross, and I have faith in his, in his death, and his burial, his resurrection, I believe that he is who he says he is. There's no change that's ever going to take place apart from believing in Christ. And so there are some of you here this morning that might have taken everything that I've said. You maybe have gone to church your entire life. You might have even been baptized. 
at some point. But you know that your life doesn't look differently. You know that there's never been a real transformation. Listen, I'm speaking to you right now. That you'll never look any differently apart from Christ. And so he's here this morning and he wants to offer you salvation. Salvation unlike any other thing. And if you're here this morning and you're wrestling with that, maybe you have been a follower of Christ and you don't see any change, you don't see any transformation, I would urge you very seriously to think about that. Why do I still talk like I used to? Why do I still watch the things that I watch? Why do I still hang out with the same people and I'm not making them look any more differently? I'm not sharing the gospel with them. Why has there been no change? Is it that you truly believed in Christ? Is it that you truly surrendered? Is it that truly that you died to yourself or maybe you just prayed a prayer and then tried to muster up the strength and muster up the courage to look different? See, Christ is calling us not to just come and to be a part of the body of Christ. Not a, he's not just calling us to church. He's calling us to die. And so if you're here this morning and you know there's never been a change, you know there's never been a transformation, you know that you really haven't followed Christ, let today be that day. Our band's going to come forward this morning. I'm going to be at the back of the room. And my challenge to you is to do, is just do that. To ask yourself that question, has there truly been a transformation? Has there truly been a change in my life? And maybe you're here this morning and you do follow Christ. I'm going to ask you to look at I'm going to ask you to look at the, at the Bible there. Don't even worry about that. Verses 9 through 21. Verses 9 through 21. Love, rejoice, hospitality, service, not being one who is wrathful, full of vengeance. Which one of those are you struggling the most with? Which one of those have you refused to let die? Which one of those have you refused to allow Christ to transform you in? Where are you the weakest this morning? Because that very place could be the thing that God wants to transform in you now. We're going to give you a few minutes just to look at that. Band's going to play. I'm going to be in the back of the room. If you've never followed Christ, I'll be there to talk with you. But if you have, would you just look at those few verses there and ask yourself where God's challenging you to be transformed. Let's pray. Father, as I think about my own life, Lord, I know the person I was before you. The author of this Romans, the book of, of Romans that we're looking at, Lord, he was transformed too. God, we just pray that you would do something in us so powerful that our, our co-workers, our neighbors, they would say, you are not the same person. What happened to you? And then we would look back and say, yes, I've been made into something new. The old me is dead and there's something brand new in life in me. And that is Jesus Christ. 
So Lord, now we give this time to you for the person who may not know you, Lord. We pray that you would give them courage to stand up, courage to have faith, courage to move. Lord, and for the believer here today who is trying to be transformed, Lord, just like a caterpillar, some of it, it it takes days, for some of them it takes weeks, for some of them it takes months. It looks different for all of us. But I pray that they would trust you this morning trust in you as the author and and giver not only of salvation but as the author of transformation too. We look to you this morning Lord. We depend on you and in you alone. And it's in Jesus name we pray.